It's uh, good to be with you guys, and uh, it's uh, in strange circumstances that we get to meet, but nevertheless, it's good to meet like this. I prefer speaking to you guys in person, obviously, because you guys are awesome, uh, but it's so great to be able to uh, preach the Word of God into our context. Uh, there's a few, a little bit of a, a difficult thing as a communicator is that you, generally speaking, if you're using humor, it's got to be really contextual, and I'm preaching this on the 25th of March, which is, um, you know, not when you're watching this. So, and the world's changing so quickly. I'm so scared to make any joke about our circumstances because it might be like really inappropriate uh, by the time you watch this. So, uh, you know, forgive me if I'm less funny today. Um, but the, the truth is we're not breaking uh, lockdown to, to film this. We did this before lockdown. Um, but here's one thing that I, I, I do love is that I don't have to know the context uh, exactly to preach this sermon because I'm preaching about the cross of Jesus Christ and the cross of Jesus Christ is relevant in every context, in every age, in every generation, no matter the circumstances, because it's the center of salvation history and who God is and how he works in our lives. And so um, we're going to be digging into an amazing subject today, which is this, is this idea that Christ became poor so that we could be rich. Okay, I'm not talking about like bling um, and a mansion and all that kind of stuff. Um, I'll, I'll clarify what I mean by this stuff. But Christ became poor so that we could be rich. And I'm actually going to ask you to, to say this at home, and you might feel cheesy, but you're at home, right? So it's either your family or you by yourself. So who's going to see you, right? Uh, I want you to repeat after me. He took my poverty so I could have his abundance. Say it again, because it's really important. And what I want to do is I want to reinforce this for you. He took my poverty so I could have his abundance. And that's the truth of what we're going to dig into today, is that Christ entered into our poverty so that we might enter into his abundance or his riches. What is poverty? Now, poverty, in a sense, is all around us and is a, a part of everyday life. In fact, in South Africa, so often we just get used to it, um, which is not really great. But the truth is, is that there's different types of poverty. There's obviously financial lack, financial poverty. There's uh, poverty of health, sickness. There's a poverty of health. There's relational lack or relational poverty. Poverty is the idea that we have a need and that need is not met. So God created Adam and Eve and therefore all humanity with certain core fundamental needs. The need for food, you know, you can go 40 days without food, but after that it's pretty tricky. Uh, and you tell a teenager that he won't believe you because he can't go like two hours without eating. Um, drink, well, most people actually, 40 days is quite extreme. I should have pitched it lower, like 15 days or something. But truth, 40 days medically. Uh, drink, you can go three days without drinking, but much less. And so obviously our need to consume liquid is important. God made us with those needs. He made us with relational needs. We've got need relationships with other people. In fact, when Adam uh, was in the garden uh, by himself, God actually looked at the situation and said, it's not good for man to be alone. And then uh, he went on to make him a partner, which is Eve. And so Adam and Eve, they need each other. We need people, which is part of why this lockdown process is a scary and be, be tough, is because we're actually made to be social creatures. The second type of relationship uh, that we need, that God made us with, is a relationship with Him. He made us to have a relationship with Him, and so when we lose that, we, we are poor in that area. We need clothing. We need shelter. We need a destiny. 
To live life without a destiny is a great poverty, and we need an identity. We need to know who we are. And so all of these things is needs that God have, has made us with, and wherever we lack in any one of these areas, we are poor or we have poverty in that area of our life. Poverty entered into the world when Adam and Eve sinned. It's a part of the curse. And there's this amazing uh, scene in the, a movie called The Book of Eli, um, which not all of it I condone, but uh, it's an interesting uh, movie, and it's got Denzel Washington in it, and he gets into this fight scene in the bar, and he goes, cursed be the ground for our sakes. And he's quoting from Genesis chapter 3, verse 17, where God actually says to Adam, cursed is the ground for your sake, and you'll uh, all your life you'll scratch a living from it. See, God made Adam and Eve to be in the garden to have abundance and luxury and, and all their needs met. But when they sinned, poverty entered into existence. And so we actually started to experience that poverty. Um, ever experienced poverty yourself? Maybe at a most basic level, a poverty of food, or poverty of, of drink. Maybe you haven't been there. But maybe there's been relational poverty in your life. Maybe you've just found yourself in a season where you just really felt alone. You, you thought, man, if something went down, if, I really, if something happened, I don't know who I'd call, who would come to me at this point. And you just feel alone. There's relational breakdown around you or, or you've moved to a new city, but you're just carrying that sense of poverty in your heart. Um, or maybe it's a poverty with God. Certainly all of us, you know, we were born uh, separated from God in a sense, and we need to have this connection with God. We need to be able to, uh, to be born again and come into a relationship with Him. And so all of us can remember what it was like just to feel like there's something missing, like what's going on, what am I made for? There's got to be more to life, and that's, that, that's a poverty that comes from a broken relationship with God. Maybe it's clothing or shelter. You've really struggled in one of those areas. Or maybe you've really struggled with the idea of destiny. You just don't know why you're alive, what you're made for. Or maybe identity. You've really struggled with a sense of self-worth and value uh, and really knowing who you are. And all of these, these things are a poverty that we can experience. And the interesting thing is that these are the exact things that people pursue. Food and drink and relationships and the, you know, social media and clothing. Not just any clothing, the best clothing. Not just any house, the best house. Because we kind of want to show, they cover over our poverty and show that we've got it all together. And um, fortunately for us, because poverty in a sense is a universal experience. But fortunately for us, Jesus said these words in Matthew chapter 5 verse 3. He said, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. It's actually the very first of the Beatitudes that Jesus said, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. The sense of need that we have in our heart, we get to bring to God and he, he meets it, and He actually blesses us in our poverty. And so you might be asking, well, how does He do that? How does He reverse the curse? Nice little rhyme there. Reverse the curse and bring abundance into our lives. And we're going to spend the rest of this time digging through Galatians chapter 3, 10 to 14. I'm going to read it through once, and then we're going to work through it a little bit. But those who depend on the Lord to make them right with God are under His curse. There's the curse that I was speaking about. For the Scriptures say, Cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. So it is, so it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the Scriptures say, It is through faith that a righteous person has life. This way of faith is very different from the way of law, which says it is through obeying the law that a person has life. 
But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, curses everyone who is hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham, so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. Now, we're going to spend the rest of this time digging through this text. It's an amazing text. I'm going to go back into the Old Testament and draw some stuff forward just to really put it in the context of what Paul's talking about because Paul is, remember, he's a trained theologian, so he's bringing scriptures in from all over in the Old Testament. I'm going to try and unpack that a little bit so that you can follow his thinking. Galatians 3 and verse 10. But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. For the scriptures say, curse is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. Paul is quoting Deuteronomy chapter 27 and verse 26. And right there it says, those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under a curse. And you're like, yo, that's... You know, escalated quickly. Where did that come out of? Um, but in Deuteronomy, God was saying that people who do not keep the entire law, God's whole codex, and there's 613 commands. In other words, those people who do not live perfect lives, those people who sin, are cursed. Does that apply to anyone here? Can I get an amen? You know, um, even in your homes. Quiet. Um, and so every single one of us on this place, every single one of us haven't lived perfect lives. And what the, the, he, God was saying in Deuteronomy there is that if you don't do that, you're under the curse. And so what is the curse that was pronounced on people like that, on people like us? What is the curse that Paul is speaking of? And we're going to go to Deuteronomy chapter 28, which is the very next chapter, obviously, after that verse that Paul's just quoted. And we're going to look at some of the curses that God gave to people who didn't obey the law perfectly, who didn't live perfect lives. So Deuteronomy 28 and verse 15. But if you refuse to listen to the Lord your God and do not obey all the commands and decrees I am giving you today, all these curses will come and overwhelm you. What are those curses? Your towns and your fields will be cursed. Your towns will be cursed. In other words, your towns will be places you don't want to live. You don't want to be there. Uh, your fields will be cursed. In other words, you go out and you work hard, you plow the soil, you fertilize, you sow seed, and at the end of the season, you get a measly return. You don't get lush plant and vegetation and good crop from your work. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be cursed. You know, when you look at a fruit basket, a wonderful thing, it's, it's amazing because now we have, you know, fruit from all over the, the world and, and we're in a blessed state. But imagine looking at your fruit basket and it's just bruised, rotten, uh, wormed food and you're just like, that's not great. And then your breadboards will be cursed. You know, the idea of like good, nice, fresh bread. Uh, but rather than that, you've got like really bad bread and it's moldy and it's hard and it's crusty. Why? Because the grain failed or maybe there's not enough to go around. Your children and your crops will be cursed. Actually, it goes on to explain that your children will be sold into slavery. They'll go and serve other people. And your crops will be cursed. Again, as hard as you work, it doesn't matter how hard you work, you just get a small or little return. Your offspring of your herds, or the offspring of your herds and flocks will be cursed. So uh, when your, your herds and your flocks, um, obviously that's your business basically, 
They either they struggle to fall pregnant or to conceive, or they conceive and have a miscarriage, or they uh, are born but they crippled and, and, and weak animals. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be cursed. It doesn't matter how hard you work. It doesn't matter if you move to Australia or the UK or the States. It doesn't matter if you change careers. You might get into the perfect business setup and the perfect opportunity, but you'll be cursed. The Lord himself will send on you curses, confusion, and frustration in everything you do until at last you are completely destroyed for doing evil and abandoning me. Notice the two things that describe the mental state of someone who is living in this curse. Number one, confusion, and number two, frustration. Confusion is you, as much as you think. You, 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 it's just like your thinking goes round in circles and you try and plan and you try and strategize and it, you just can't get your, your finger on exactly what's going on. You just can't quite understand. Your mind's in a state of confusion. And the second thing is frustration. Why? Because no matter how hard you work, it doesn't matter how much you invest, it doesn't matter how smart you've been and how much uh, you studied and, and tried hard, Stuff just never goes your way, and you throw your energy and your heart and your soul into a work, and you get a small, measly return. Why? Because you're cursed. Are you getting a sense of the desolation of heart that God is describing here, which is the consequence for those people who don't live according to his perfect law? The frustration and the confusion and the, the bitterness of soul? And here's the question, what does this have to do with Jesus Christ dying on a cross 2,000 years ago? How exactly did Jesus enter into all of those curses? Now, you might actually be sitting there, and as I describe those curses, you might think, man, that's me. I find myself in states of confusion. I turn scenarios over my head again and again and again, whether it's a relational poverty issue or it's a financial poverty issue, and you're looking for that. Or maybe there's just frustration because as hard as you try and as hard as you work, nothing seems to come through. You might saying, hey, that almost describes my life. And the question is, how did Jesus enter into those curses? Why? Because he took my poverty. Poverty is a part of the curse. He took my poverty so I could have his abundance. How did he do that? How did he enter into those curses? In Deuteronomy chapter 28, 47 to 48, so a little bit later from where I've read, um, it actually describes this poverty in detail. And it says this, it says, If you do not serve the Lord your God with joy and enthusiasm for the abundant benefits you have received, in other words, you serve other things, you serve idols, careers, in modern context, careers, relationships, the house, the car, all the things, the things that we need to try and make ourselves feel important. Not that they're wrong in themselves, it's just that when they become the ultimate thing and they take the place of God, they're idols. So if you don't serve the Lord your God with joy and enthusiasm for the abundant benefits you have received, you will serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you. You'll be left hungry, thirsty, naked, and lacking in everything. Verse 48 really describes the way in which Jesus Christ died. He said, you will serve your enemies. Jesus primarily had two people that came against him that were his enemies during his life. The first was the religious establishment, the scribes and the Pharisees, and the second were the Romans because the, the Romans ruled over the people of Israel and they had a king called Caesar and they didn't want another king called Jesus. And those two 
entities, the religious people and the Romans, conspired and worked together to execute Jesus on a Roman cross. So not did he just serve his enemies, his enemies actually murdered him. Then it says, you'll be left hungry. Jesus was hungry when he went to the cross. He hadn't eaten for 24 hours from his arrest and his trial and and his beating and mocking all the way through to crucifixion. He was thirsty. In fact, he even said he was thirsty and he asked for a drink. And he wasn't given anything. He was naked. Just like that text says, they actually stripped him. And we always see art of Jesus on a cross with a loincloth. But the truth is, is that the Romans used to uh, crucify prisoners naked. And so Jesus in that moment was stripped completely of his dignity and he was left open to shame, not even being able to cover himself. And then he was lacking in everything. Jesus was buried in a borrowed cloak and in a borrowed tomb. He lacked friends. When he was arrested, all his friends ran from him and deserted him. One of his best friends, Peter, who said he would never deny him, denied him three times. And then his father, God the Father, turned his back on Jesus Christ because of our sin. And so that poverty of soul, of a broken relationship with God, was a part of Jesus' experience. He was utterly alone, desolate of heart and soul, abandoned forsaken, absolute poverty. And that was after a lifetime of faithful obedience to God, a lifetime of serving people, of ministering to people and ministering with his friends. He had nothing to show for it, or at least it looked like he had nothing to show for it. Utterly poor, utterly relationally poor. And he appeared as if everything he had worked for came to nothing. Jesus was utterly cursed. Why? Because he took our curse upon himself. He took my poverty so I could have his abundance. Verse 11. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scriptures say it is through faith that a righteous person has life. And there he's quoting an Old Testament uh, prophet called Habakkuk, Habakkuk 2.4. This way of faith is very different from the way of law, which says it is through obeying the law that a person has life. And so what he's saying is that there's two ways of being right with God and entering into life. Number one is if you live a perfect life and you completely obey the law. And if you can live that way, you will be blessed by God. The problem is no one can. Every single person sins. And so he introduces another way of being made right with God and having a relationship with him where we receive of his life and his blessing, the way of faith. So it's not about our perfection. It's about his perfection and our faith in him. Verse 13, but Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. And there he's quoting a passage, Deuteronomy 21, 23. Jesus Christ died on a tree or he died on a cross. And that doesn't always make sense to us because in the English language, we use the word tree if the tree is alive and we use the word plank or wood if the tree is dead and been fashioned into something like a cross. But that doesn't hold up in the biblical language. You know, there's languages around the world where you use the same word for a tree and for wood. And so 
he's speaking of the cross of Jesus Christ that Jesus hung on. And God knew exactly how his son was going to die. He knew that years later the Romans were going to invent and perfect this method of execution called crucifixion. He knew that the Romans would have conquered Israel at that stage and occupied that land. And he knew that they would be prone, that if his son would be executed at that time, he would die by crucifixion, by hanging on a tree. And so God put that verse in Deuteronomy chapter 21. Why? So that Jesus... He wasn't cursed because of his sin. We were all under a curse because of our sin, but he took our sin upon himself. And then when he was crucified and hung on that tree, he became cursed in the sight of God. So he fully entered into the fullness of the cursed state, which I've already described for you, for, for you that God, Jesus was, was died at the hands of his enemies, that he was hungry, that he was naked, that he was thirsty, and he was devoid of everything. He, he had nothing. Why? Why did he take upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing? Because he loves us. You see, here's the thing, is that God's demand, uh, justice demanded that a price be paid and that the curse had to be absorbed and accepted by someone and paid for by someone. And so Jesus did that. He took it upon himself. Have you ever had a, a thought where you thought you've messed up or you've sinned or you've seen an aspect of your life which isn't right and you're just going, man, this is why God can't bless me. Ever had that thought? To be honest, I lived for years in that space. And uh, for so long, I, I used to think, well, these are the issues in my life, and this is why God can't bless me. And this is why. But the truth is what I was doing is I was trying to obtain blessing through my behavior, but actually we live by faith. And God showed me that as I placed my faith in Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ became cursed for me. He took my curse upon himself so that I could have abundance. He took my poverty so I could have his abundance. You don't need to live that way. You don't need to think, man, if I only did better. Verse 14, this last verse that we're digging through. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. What is the blessing that God promised to Abraham? The blessing of righteousness, righteousness by faith. Abraham believed God and it was accredited or counted to him as righteousness. And remember, all of God's blessings are for the righteous. If you obey God's law, you can be blessed. And Christ kept the law perfectly on our behalf so that we could be blessed based on his righteousness. He took my poverty so I could have his abundance. And Christ took the curse so that we don't have to endure it. You see in that verse, Paul adds, so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. You see, the Holy Spirit can only be given to those who are holy. He's the Holy Spirit. And he can only come to people who are holy or righteous. And when God makes us righteous, he qualifies us for blessing. And he restores our greatest poverty of all. He restores a relationship with God. And so he gives us riches in our relationship 
with God. Second, he gives us unity. Why? Because we have the Holy Spirit of unity that allows us to have unity in the church of Jesus Christ. Third, he gives us an identity as sons and daughters of the living God. And fourth, he gives us a destiny. And God goes about the, 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 the role of destroying the curse upon Jesus. Jesus took the curse so that we could have his abundance. And you might be asking, what about material or financial poverty? 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9 says this, You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. The generous grace of Jesus Christ, we don't deserve this. He was rich. He was the choice son. He was the creator of heaven and earth, yet for your sakes he became poor, and he took that curse upon himself so that we could be made rich. And unless you think that I'm starting to, you know, I want to buy the Bentley and the mansion and book an overseas holiday, I'm just joking, that might be too soon on the overseas holiday thing. We're still in lockdown, that's what got us in this problem in the first place. But Paul defines financial blessing in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8, and God will generously provide all you need then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. That's what blessing is from God's perspective. You've got enough love from Him that you need so that you can give love to others. You've got enough relational space so you can enjoy it and give to others. And you've got enough finances so that you can enjoy it and bless others with it. And so many of us live with the fear of provision and the confusion and frustration around finances. And God says, place your faith in Jesus Christ because he became poor with your poverty so you could become rich with his riches. He took my poverty so I could have his abundance. I want to close by reading the blessings of Deuteronomy chapter 28 over you. And so I just want you to focus in on this moment and realize that this is God's heart for you as one who is righteous in Christ. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all his commands that I'm giving you today, and of course no one can, but Jesus Christ did, and so that as we trust in him, that becomes ours. The Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. You will endure all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be blessed. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They will attack you from one direction, but they will scatter from you in seven. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and will fill your storehouses with grain. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he has given you. Let's pray. Father God, I'm so thankful that you sent your son and that Jesus took my poverty so that I could enter into his abundance. And I just pray for every person today, God, who is fearful about provision, who is fearful about loneliness, who is fearful in this space, God, as this whole world has been shaken by this disease. I pray, Father God, that you would still our hearts, that we would place our faith in Jesus Christ, and that we would enter into your abundance through faith. I pray, Father God, that you just give us your absolute assurance that you're with us, that you're greater than what we've lived through in this season, we're greater, and you're greater than what's ahead of us. We thank you for the foundation of the cross of Christ, that that is our hope and our confidence. In Jesus' name, amen.